Hey, Business Building Warrior, I've got a guest today that you're really going to enjoy, especially if you're starting to sell on Amazon. Maybe you're very experienced or just getting started. It doesn't matter where you are on that spectrum. You're going to benefit greatly from the time I spent today with my good friend, Jeff Schick. Jeff Schick of jeffschick.com, S-C-H-I-C-K. He is our preferred lawyer around here. He is an Amazon seller. He's been selling for a long time since the, I think he said 2005, 2007. You'll hear it here in just a minute. I'm recording the introduction after the fact, of course. Uh, but we had a great conversation today about his history with e-commerce, how he got started. I mean, this guy sold multiple seven figures per month as a seller, just like you and me and those in our community who have built significant businesses. He's been there, done that. But he also has a legal degree. And he's also really penetrated the way the system works at Amazon. And he's helping out so many sellers when they hit these little frustrating points of IP complaints and I need a plan of action or... You know, I'm in some confusing territory with my Amazon account. What should I be selling? You know, what receipts work? How can I prove that inventory was delivered even though Amazon's saying it wasn't? You know, all those little frustrating issues, he's dealing with dozens and dozens or probably hundreds actually at this point in his practice of Amazon sellers all day, every day. That's what he does. So I asked him after, after he shared kind of his story, the first, I would say, 20 minutes or so where he's sharing his story of his e-commerce journey, we start jumping into some very specific topics today that are points of major concern for either him or for the seller community. Things like, can I sell liquidations and shelf pulls safely? Even if, if I mark them as used, is that okay? Right? What counts as a receipt? What store should I avoid? That sort of like really rubber hit the road kind of conversations. We talk about... Uh, very some very specific advice where if you're selling multiple listings, if you're selling on multiple ASINs, like as a replens seller, you've heard many, many replens success stories in our community. Jeff works with many replens sellers in our community when they hit snags. Well, are there some red flags you should be looking for before you decide to sell against a certain listing? He talks a little bit today specifically. You can listen towards the end. It's like the last 15 minutes of the show today. We hit this topic of if the brand says generic, you shouldn't be selling against that listing. And he tells us why and how to find those. Really specific, good, solid tips. But I can tell you this to kind of sum up the whole episode. At no point are you going to think, oh man, this is just this is terrible. That's a dead end. Or, oh no, what if that happens? That's going to be tragic. There's no such thing. With the Amazon selling, the success rate, if you have someone competent representing you, if you're not trying on purpose, intentionally trying to do something that's illegitimate and you know it, like selling illegitimate stolen goods or something. If as long as you're not doing those types of things intentionally, you're going to be fine. There's a way forward. There's a way around and you can get through just about any challenge with almost 100% effectiveness as Jeff shares with us today. So one of the reasons I did this episode and I'm, I'm emphasizing this point in today's opening and today's uh, introduction is there's just no reason not to be doing this business. You can work through any challenge that comes your way. Follow the process that we teach you. Keep your account legitimate. You can build a beautiful business without fear of what if Amazon does this or what if that happens. You can navigate that. And Jeff also mentions towards the end of the show, I'm going to mention it here at the beginning as well. He has a retainer program. It costs about $89 a month. And that gets you unlimited services from he and his team on in any kind of IP complaint issue or plan of action needed or any of those other circumstances that might pop up where you really could use somebody who knows what they're talking about, man, he can help you out a ton. 
and he is helping out many people on our team. So enjoy this interview today, this discussion. It's kind of a just a friendly back and forth discussion that I think you're really going to enjoy with Mr. Jeff Schick of jeffschick.com. So Jeff, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Great to see you, my friend. Man, let's get into your story. All right. So I guess we, we can get into the e-commerce part or the Amazon part or the legal part, but yeah, <laughs> it man, gets interesting either let, way. Let's hit it all. I mean, I've, I've learned a fair all bit about you the past few months as you've been serving our community with excellence, but uh, I'd like to get to know the guy a little bit. You know, your e-commerce story, I've never really heard. All right. Well, let's start. So I'm going to take you back. We're going to jump in a time machine. We're going to go back to 2005. So if you think of 2005 and how e-commerce was, I was not selling on Amazon yet. But I had, this is when I started my first e-commerce business. And it was called Horse and Hound Outfitters. And it, we started selling... I guess you're in horse country, sort of. I mean, up there in, up in oh, Indiana. Sure. So. My, my daughter rides a few times a week, three or four times a week. Nice. So then you know what I'm talking about when I say horse blanket, where it's uh, you know the blankets yep. that they wear in the cold. Mm-hmm. So we had founded this company that... we'd Or I should say, we found this company in Kansas that made monogrammed custom horse blankets. And they made the same thing for dogs. And they also made horse lead ropes and collars for dogs and halters for horses. So what I noticed is they had these amazing catalogs, but they didn't have any e-commerce presence. And so I approached them and I guess I, gosh, I was 14 years old. I approached them and I said, Hey, I was, I think I can build a website for you guys, but you know, and make it so people can order your products online. And they said, we're not interested in that, but if you want to make your own website, you can you can just send us the orders when they come in. I was like, and I was like, okay, well, what would that be like? They're like, well, you know, look up drop shipping, and I'm like, oh, drop shipping. So, so I was like, okay, this sounds interesting. So, I set up this website, made it where people could, you know, select a, a lead rope and and maybe you wanted blue and gold, and you choose blue, you choose gold, and then you could build the halter that matches it, and you know, blue and gold, and put your horse's name on it, and the website would collect all this information. And print out the order, or send out send the orders to my email, and then because they didn't have email at this this factory, I would print it out, I'd put it in a fax machine, and I'd send it to them, and then they would fax back the order fax confirmation. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I had a fax great. machine. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, you know, like when it first started, I thought I was, you know, like I had hit it hit it big time because we had orders coming in every day, and we needed. I was like telling my mom, like, we need a fax line, a dedicated fax line. And she's like, just use the home phone line. You don't need a dedicated fax line for this That's business. That's great. I love it. I was just asking my kids, my uh, my 20 and uh, and 15, 16-year-old, a couple of days ago, literally, like, if I if I asked you guys to describe to me what a fax machine is, could you do it? And they were like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I had a fax machine and I, I thought I was big time when I got a, a laser jet fax, you know, like you could, Ooh. that yeah. was fancy, you know, fast that was the print. upgrade fast from print, that, right? from the thermal printer one, you know? Yeah. So I, uh, so I get this fax machine, we're sending orders over to, them. um, now of course you remember what happened in 2007, right? The recession hits. Oh, of course. 2007, 2008, everybody's house became worth like 30% less than it did a few months earlier. <laughs> Right or, or worse, so, yeah, on, yeah. Like in Florida, they became worth like zero. <laughs> you couldn't even yeah. give them away. So, long story short, unfortunately, my manufacturer, who was in Kansas, they had this bright idea 
in 2007, when the economy was melting down, they said, we need to save money on our, on our production costs. So we're going, instead of making custom products, we're going to start mass producing the most commonly ordered color combinations. We're not going to order, we're not going to offer monograms and we're going to just have it all made in China and then charge the same prices. Well, unfortunately, you know where that goes. Uh, they had an extremely strong base of consumers that wanted custom and they wanted made in America. They did not want made in China and they didn't want, you know, off the shelf solutions. So unfortunately, <laughs> that, that business uh, didn't, didn't survive the recession, but it was at least a learning experience to see, you know, what's it like to build a website from scratch. And I had my first customer, you know, order where they wanted to return something, you know, how do you handle returns, you know, all these sort of, you know, valuable life lessons that come along with running, you know, starting up a business from scratch and it was my first foray in e-commerce. Fast forward a couple of years and I'm in college. And one day where my mom and I are at the office and she was like, we've got all these products on the shelf. We're still in the middle of the recession. She's like, so how do we get rid of these? Like there's gonna, they're gonna expire, particularly pet shampoos. So we're looking at these, these products and it's like, these shampoos are expiration dated. What do we do to get rid of them? So I say, oh, I'll start up a website. So I start up another website. It's not Amazon. Uh, we put all the, the products on there. And like two weeks goes by and there's no orders. And we're like, okay, well, maybe, maybe we could spend some money on Google ads. Well, tried to learn Google ads. That's pretty expensive very quickly. So didn't do them very long. And then, but it was enough time that one of our manufacturing partners, they came, came over and he said, and he'd known me since I was like seven years old when I'd launched, you know, and from when I'd launched the horse and hound site, he goes, Hey, I saw that you launched our products on a website. You know, what do you think about Amazon? And I was like, I don't know anything about Amazon. He, I was like, I, I barely even buy textbooks there. That's, I thought it was just a bookstore. He goes, yeah, well, I've heard hearing in the community that you can buy pet products on Amazon, but I don't know anything about it. I was like, okay, well, we'll see. So I don't think anything of it. And I just keep you know, trying to see if I can make my little... You know, it wasn't Shopify yet, but that type of solution work. And then one day, I'm buying textbooks at the office and a screen pops up that says, learn to sell on Amazon six months free, no $40 a month fee if you sign up here. So I click the link and I sign up. And then I just start, I go, okay, let's see if this shampoo is there. And it's there. <laughs> Had no idea what, what it would sell for. And I just, I put it on there. So I put it for sale. I remember we were, our buy cost on the shampoo was about 12 bucks a bottle. I put it for sale for $15. Had no idea about Amazon fees. And I sold a bottle within like two hours because it was way below market for, for the product. I remember getting this order. I package it up and I start running the numbers. I'm like, I just lost $10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I know a lot of sellers when they're first starting up, they don't understand the pricing that happens. So, sure. so I sell it. Then another order comes in for like 16 bucks and I run the numbers. I'm losing $9. I try to cancel it. Well, then I get an alert. Your order defect rate is 50%. <laughs> or order cancellation rate is 50%. You cancel, so. Cancellation rate's too high, right? Correct. So then I learned quickly to figure out. So I built like an Excel sheet. And I was like, well, if my price is this and this, all these fees come in, this is what I can sell it for. So I figure out the pricing. We start, you know, we aren't using FBA at the time. We're FBM and we're probably selling a couple bottles a week. So nothing life-changing yet, but still it's enough to keep you entertained sure so then when fba came out or when it, when we got we realized we could do fba 
I remember telling my mom, I was like, well, let's send in a case and see what happens. And both of us looked at each other. We're like, we're going to end up paying for shipping both ways on this case, aren't we? No, we, <laughs> we didn't. We shipped, we shipped it to Amazon and it sold in like three days, an entire case of shampoo. That's awesome. Yep. Now, did you guys set up the listing originally or was it already set up? So for this particular listing, it was already set up. We were gotcha. just joining a pre-existing listing. Yeah. Luckily, we had a wholesale partner, you know, so we could just buy it wholesale from the manufacturer. Yeah. And so we just started sending in cases. And so funny enough, our our initial, like our first year in business, we only sold five aces, but we sold a decent volume of each ace. And so that it, I think we went from zero to like $140,000 and, you know, in our first, first year of operations. And we started on June 11th, 2011. So you know, that was, I think our 2011 tax return was like 140 grand for the business. So it took off quickly. And then we just, you know, we just started kind of slowly, but surely testing new things. You know, I was a big believer that you buy, you know, 24, which I would not advise anyone now, but I would do, I would buy 24 of an item and send it in and see if it sold. And if it, if it sold quickly, then I'd buy more. And if it didn't sell at all, then I'd just, you know, keep it until it expired and then figure out what to do with it. You were kind of just going on instinct and maybe even like product rank or something at that point. You weren't using Keepa. I I didn't use Keepa. I didn't know anything about the rank, believe it or not. I just never, I didn't think anything it of it. So I just kind of going by feel. Yeah. I'd be like, what's selling at the, at, you know, in the office. And if it sold well in the office, then I'd be like, it probably will sell well on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I also use the customers also purchased. So I'd be like, oh, if they purchase this, and I'd go into our catalog and see, can we buy that too? Yeah. And then we'd just, we'd just keep buy, expanding and expanding from there. Yeah, where Amazon shows on the screen. And that's still a pretty valuable way to research is, hey, customers who bought this also bought that. So when you're doing research for replens, that's a great way to bunny trail. It's just bounce Absolutely. around, see what else people are buying in relation to whatever you're researching. That's why you can end up with 30 tabs open when you're just sitting there in a research session bouncing around. And that, that's fascinating. And just, you know, to kind of make the obvious observation here, you're not just an Amazon lawyer. I think that's the first thing people think of if they know you. You've actually yeah. been in the e-commerce trenches. You've been on Amazon. You've gotten those scary alerts from Amazon. <laughs> you're right. been doing this a while. You, you, you kind of came up stumbling your way through it like so many of us did, you know, 12, 15 years ago. Um, so you have right. an appreciation for the journey and, and for what it takes to actually make money doing this stuff. So I think that makes you invaluable to this community. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I remember, you know, like, cause people will say like, oh, like I had one client tell me once, they're like, I can't imagine prepping something. And I was like, I can't imagine not prepping. I loved it. That was my favorite part of Amazon was the prep part because I could put in headphones and I could listen to music and there was no thought that had to really go into it. And you just, you know, and it was crazy. Like looking back, at one point, we didn't have enough tables. So we would actually put the boxes on the floor and crawl around on the floor just to label everything because we realized if we had it in a linear format, we had a 20-foot hallway, that we could get a lot more done with boxes on either side of the hallway just going in a straight line compared to to you know taking one off the table, putting one on, you know, and, and things like that. Yeah, moving the box. You want to move the boxes as little as possible, right? Just line them up and walk down the hall, crawl down the hall with your headphones on. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. We've all so. had to figure those things out. Unless, you know, now you have the option of using a prep center from day one right. in some cases. We have international students. They start off day one. They never touch a box of product, you know, so those options are there. But 
those of us who've done e-commerce a while, we know about the living room full of boxes and, and, right. and sorting through and telling our kids, no, those toys aren't for you. Those are for other kids. <laughs> right, I, so. I remember one time we had a stairwell in the middle of the office. I stacked all the boxes going up the entire stairwell when they were done going to UPS. I took a picture with just, you know, there's probably 150 boxes lining the stairwell. And I thought I was like, you know, the UPS guy would be like, oh, look, I don't have to bend over as much. Oh, no, he was mad. He didn't want to go up the stairs. He doesn't want to go up the stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. These guys don't so, like stairs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, he was like, he goes, next time, please just stack it in a really tall stack. He's like, I'd rather just carry him out in a stack. I'm like, oh, I thought I was helping out, but no, apparently not. <laughs> yeah, the little lessons. So, you know, keep it, keep us going. I am curious and I actually don't know, you know, how much e-commerce are you doing these days is, you know, I don't want to jump forward too far in time, but I am actually curious. I know you still are selling. Well, so I took a hiatus in 2021, but then today I just had, so the same guy that asked us to sell his product back in 2011, I talked to him today and he said, uh, he, he goes, Hey, do you think you'd want to sell our products again? And I was like, you know, it's kind of funny. You know, he's with a different company now. And it's really interesting how these relationships work. I actually became a shareholder in this company like five years ago because he, he they were like, we need somebody that understands e-commerce to be one of our shareholders. And so I I gave them a lot of the you know advice on on how do you sell on e-commerce direct to consumer. And so he came back today and he goes, Yeah, we've been using, you know, some of these different, you know, partners to sell products on it online. And we're like, they're like either he's like I know either you know somebody or you might want to do it yourself and I'm like and of course I, I I'm in the office and one of my paralegals is there he sells on Amazon uh, and he is over here in this conversation he goes you're doing it I'm like what are you talking about? he's like you're doing it I'm like <laughs> he goes no seriously he's like I'm looking at the label machine I'm looking at your shrink wrap tunnel I'm looking at your L bar sealer he's like that's all sitting in the corner he's like we're gonna plug it in and you're gonna start doing it he's like that's great. worst case scenario. He's like, we'll hire somebody and we could just monitor them doing it while, while we're working on cases. I'm like, that's funny. So, yeah, so the, the number of times, you know, the story behind that story is, and I say it all the time, but it's not, it's not some kind of accidental, random, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't thing. When I say relationships are vital, man, they really are. If you can just be intentional yeah. about staying in contact with people. I mean, this is the guy you've known, the same guy you said since, you know, since you were like, in first grade, right? That since, since yeah. you're seven, right? So yeah. those kind of contacts, make sure people know what you do, what you represent, what you're capable of. And then the number of times the phone just rings with opportunity. It's incredible. Right. And so are these now, guys on are these guys on Amazon already and doing well or has it looked through the catalog? So I created all their listings back in uh, 2000 and I want to say 2017 or so. But then they they wanted to try to experiment with doing it in-house. And so then mm. I guess they decided, you know, now they're like, hey, we just want to see what happens if you go start doing it again because, you know, I took a hiatus and they miss it. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to try. They were having, you know, so it's kind of interesting how life, you know, comes around in different ways. And, you know, it's exciting to just exciting to get back into the Amazon world with so much stuff that I've learned from, you know, I, I like to provide a lot of educational value, but I consume a lot of it too. Just, you know, learning from clients, learning from podcasts and different, you know, going to all these conferences. So it's exciting to to try to see, well, hmm, what's this going to be like to take a product that's doing okay on Amazon, but knowing that the listings can definitely be improved. Yeah. 
work some magic and see if you can make it happen. That opportunity, that low-hanging fruit opportunity is there for any of us who are familiar with how to sell online, just reaching out to brands. It, it's such an easy pitch as well. It's one of the modules in the Proven Amazon course for us, the Proven Product Partnering. Have you ever been through that course by any chance, PPP? Proven product. I've not been through that one, but I've talked to to some of the coaches, so I'm familiar with it. Yeah, you might enjoy going through that. Just kind of even how to, uh, and I'd be curious, you know, since you're a a lawyer, take a look at some of the suggested contractual language. We don't actually give you a universal contract, but just some of the suggested language to use. I mean, things like how do you terminate the relationship? You know, so we've got an idea in there is whatever they've paid you the past three months, that's the amount they owe you as a buyout. If if you're helping set up their account and, and selling it on their own Amazon account, like you're not yours, but their account, and you're helping to manage it there. And if they come and say, hey, you know what? We're ready to take it over. Okay, I'll give it all to you. And you take over again and, and what you owe me instead of our monthly cut, you know, we're shutting that off now, my monthly percentage, which I think 20, 30%, something like that, or whatever Amazon sends you, that's my payment, typical. Uh, we suggest whatever the last three months of payment were, you cut me a one-time lump sum check. I hand the business back to you and, and the brand is yours again. So, you know, putting that kind of thing, as you, as a lawyer knows, you know, those contracts are in place for when the breakup happens, right? Like right. in terms of us parting ways as friends. Absolutely. That kind of stuff is in there. I'd be curious to see what your thoughts are if you went through that content. It's it's pretty solid. There's quite a bit yeah. there. I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to check it out. It'd be interesting to see. So, yeah. And, it, and it's interesting you mentioned the low-hanging fruit because so many people think like, oh, um, and I was talking to a seller about this two weeks ago, and they were saying they're like, "Oh, well, I I only look at look for brands to partner with that are you know on Smart Scout that do a half a million dollars a month on Amazon already." I'm like, "Half a million dollars a month on Amazon? That's pretty. How much are you doing on Amazon?" <laughs> He's like, yeah. "Not a half a million dollars." I'm like, "That that's a pretty big ask to to get them to to be like, hey, turn over your half a million dollar a month business to me when I haven't done that yet." And I was like, "Well, you know." I was like, what about small brands? Don't you, do you know anyone like from your former career? And he's like, well, yeah, I've got one of my friends as a director of sales for the company I used to work with. I was like, work for, I was like, have you reached out to them? Well, no, they're too small. I'm like, but if they're too small, are they selling on Amazon? Well, yeah, they do like 50,000 a month on Amazon. I'm like, but don't you think you could optimize that? He's like, well, yeah, I could. I was like, so there's your opportunity. Like start small. And then I said, and once you prove that you can do that, you have a case study to then go to the brand that does $100,000 a month. And then you use them as the case study to go to the 120 or the 150 a month. And you just keep using, you know, and by the and by the way, by the time you get to the $300,000 a month case study, you're already doing like $500,000 a month on Amazon. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so. it's kind of stair step up. And it's Absolutely. such an easy pitch. I started to, to kind of make this point earlier. I don't want to cruise past it. It doesn't cost yeah. them anything. You know, and now you can charge them a few dollars to get them set up, and and we encourage you to do that. But if you really kind of want to fill your way through it, you can say, "Hey, brand XYZ, I want to put your stuff on Amazon. I want to manage it. I want to do all of it. You don't owe me yeah. anything. I just want twenty percent of all the sales if it takes off. Simple contract Absolutely. in place. You know, ideally, go through the proven product partnering module inside the proven Amazon course because there are, there's a few details that you you'd be better off thinking of ahead of time versus kind of stumbling yeah. your way through. But these are fairly simple arrangements where there's no scenario where anyone really loses. You send in some of their products, yeah. you test, you tweak, 
it works or it doesn't. But if it does, you could wind up with a really nice multiple income stream arrangement on Amazon representing different brands who are on their own selling accounts in many cases. Uh, that's what we encourage, actually, is that's the cleanest arrangement. Makes the breakup easier if and when it happens. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a great model for for sellers to look into if they've got any experience at all. Even if you're fairly green, you know more than these brands do. Exactly, and like you know, like for instance, my my friend that came, you know, I call him my friend because I've known him for so long. It's like they came back today saying that they want us to sell the stuff. Well, the beauty of it is they're willing. You know, they give us preferential pricing. We get to sell it. We don't have to worry about IP claims. And depending on how you negotiate, like for, they're willing to sell us, you know as little as one case or as many as, you know, 20, 30, 40 cases, however many we need. So, you know, most brands will work with you. So mm. you know, they're not going to require that $5,000 minimum order or right. anything crazy. And that's you. You're going to be selling that through your own account is the arrangement you're making there, correct? Correct. I have a vendor central and a seller central. So I'll probably right. put it on through both and see which one sells better. See what happens. Fantastic. Well, I, I want to transition a little bit, unless there's any more to your e-commerce story, but I think it's good for folks to know that, you know, this isn't just some guy who went to school to become a lawyer and said, oh, Amazon sellers need me. I'm going to jump into e-commerce. You yeah. kind of groomed your way in. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you told me that the reason you got your law degree was because you noticed, hey, I'm an e-commerce seller. I could really use a good lawyer. You look around, you're like, man, there's not a lot out there. And what that, what is out there is expensive. You kind of saw a need in the market. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I was... um in college, I had always sort of wanted to go to law school, but initially I wanted to go to law school for, you know, not not doing e-commerce stuff, just I didn't know exactly. When you go to law school, it's kind of a general degree, and then you figure out as you go. Especially so I specialty, correct. And so then when I was in law school, it's really so I think when we started law school, we were doing about six hundred thousand dollars a year on Amazon. And then by the time I graduated law school, we were doing two point five million dollars a year on Amazon. So it was during that transition that we just started having more and more issues. And you know, like I got my first Voorhees letter. I think, you know, people know I, a lot of people are scared of Voorhees. I, you know, I'm not scared of them. I deal with their attorneys every week now, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> fortunately, you're representing clients, so many Amazon sellers. You've you've kind of seen yeah. it all. That might be a good right. question I'd like to ask is when does your heart rate pick up a little bit? What does it take for you to go, oh, my client's got a fight here? Because I know. Most of the stuff you see, you're like, oh yeah, I eat ten of those a day for breakfast. <laughs> you know? It's uh, it's certain law firms that I see that um, like there's one that is known for sending one letter and then they file a federal lawsuit. If I see one of those, that that is obviously concerning. I really don't like it when brands abuse the brand registry platform. So when I see that happening, you know that gets me pretty fired up. And so we uh, you know, and we have a special, you know you know, process now for how we handle those. And so for serial abusers, we even will take it to Amazon and let them see that, hey, this person is abusing the brand, especially mm-hmm. if they're selling on the listings that they're doing brand enforcement for. And Amazon will actually terminate those those brand registry rights and keep them from doing it to other people. So Ooh, give me a specific example without revealing, a, a, you know, any details of a case. I like what you just said there. If I followed you and I think I did, but give me a specific yeah. So we have case. one. We have this one kid. I call him a kid. He's like twenty-two years old. That's a kid, and <laughs> he, yeah, he uh, he thinks that he's smarter than everybody else on the Amazon platform. And so he goes to these brands and he says, because I think he comes from like really rich parents, he's like, "I'll write you a big check to become an exclusive distributor of your products." And then he goes in, he file, you know, he starts filing IP complaints against all the other sellers. 
And then whenever I reached out to him historically, he would be like, no, I'm not going to retract. You need to go find another ambulance to chase. Well, I printed that out and sent it to Amazon Legal and let them see that he's filing all these complaints because he's trying to create... And he even said in one of them, and he had a newspaper article that he had written about himself that talked about how he does exclusives and he gets rid of other unauthorized sellers so that brands only have one person selling. And I sent all that to Amazon's attorneys and said, hey, take a look. You know, Correct me if I'm wrong, but when I read your seller code of conduct, it says you can't act as a brand protection agency for listings you sell on because that's a seller code of conduct violation. Mm-hmm. And so Amazon's attorneys came back and said, thanks for letting us know we've taken appropriate action against the concerned individual. So... That's, Can you uh, tell me the rest was... of the story? <laughs> what <laughs> well, else let's is... just say I haven't seen an IP complaint from him lately, and I don't know if he's selling either. <laughs> so... Nice. I love those stories. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, uh, you know, and another one of, you know, like another favorite example from of me of like the stories that just like warm my heart when Amazon comes in and protects the good guy, you know, the good guy sellers was yeah. uh, someone had filed a false counterfeit claim trying to get their competitors kicked off a listing. So they bought and filed counterfeit complaints. This is an inauthentic product, that sort of thing. And, yeah. you know, thinking I'm just going to get my scare away my competitors. Well, the competitors hired lawyers, hired a lawyer, went after the guy that was falsely accusing. And that guy got successfully sued for a lot of money because he was just playing these underhanded tricks trying to to game the system and Amazon backed backed him and you know so Amazon does play the role of a good guy quite often and uh I, I wouldn't mind hearing some stories like that Jeff you know just to kind of give us the feel of what these daily interactions because a lot of times it, until it applies to us we just don't hear these stories but there are a lot of cool things happening behind the scenes that tilt in our favor as third party sellers uh, that's the work you do all day, every day. So maybe a, a few of those stories would be kind of cool. If there's anything that's interesting or anything, maybe a lesson hidden in one of your recent yeah. cases, that sort of thing. What comes to mind as yeah. I say that? So as you say that, there's actually, there's two cases that came to mind. One is kind of interesting. It was a private label case. Uh, actually, both of them are private label cases. But one private label case, you know, Amazon got sued by a troll attorney. And when Amazon gets sued, they have a clause that says, that you can, you know, that that they can recover their attorney's fees in any amount they pay to settle the case. Um, it's it's in the business solutions agreement that every seller agrees to. And so, since Amazon was being sued over this private label product, obviously, there's they know who they're going to collect from. It's the private label seller. Mm-hmm. And what was really interesting about the case is that you know they Amazon gets sued. They had two options. They could have defended it. And they could have paid out money and then debited the seller. In fact, I've heard stories from from sellers. Um, there's one guy in the United Kingdom that told me that yeah, he got charged fifty grand because Amazon settled a case and billed him for their attorney's fees, and and he didn't have any say over over what happened there. But in this case, they went kind of above and beyond, and the attorney uh, reached out to the seller and they said, "Hey, we want to let you know that we've been sued, but we want to give you an opportunity if you hire your own lawyer." And they work with us to defend us, and you settle this case, then we won't bill you any legal fees. And the seller goes, Well, I, I don't know who to contact. And they go, and they actually said, Well, some sellers have been using Jeff Schick. Reach, why don't you reach out to him? And so that's how this client came to me. They go, Amazon told me to contact you. And I and I was like, Really? I got a referral from Amazon? <laughs> that doesn't awesome. happen. 
So they sent, uh, yeah. So the client came. I we worked on the case, you know, defended it out, and Amazon really didn't. They didn't bill any legal fees, and of course, their attorneys, you know, they bill heavy. Like they're expensive attorneys with, you know, glass floor to ceiling glass windows and expensive office oh, buildings. They, yeah, Amazon's attorneys are no joke. I mean, that 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 legal team is probably one of the most expensive, and <laughs> like that's a tiger you don't want to tangle with, right? Um, right. So you need an advocate, which is the role you play. And that's really right. cool. You know, it, I love those stories where Amazon's very human because they could have just simply said nothing, fought the case and sent the bill to the seller when it was all over, right? <laughs> and right. Like, here's your, you know, $600,000 bill for the attorney's work we just did on your behalf, right? But they said, no, yeah. get it, get a good, get a good lawyer representing you, get, got you involved and uh, ended yeah. up saving them a ton of money. That's just one of the little right. ways and I'm sure we've got a full list of benefits somewhere. Maybe it's on your website, jeffschick.com. But that's just one of the little ways. It's like, you do not want to fight if if one of these brands that you're selling gets into a legal battle. You don't want to tackle that yourself. You want somebody who knows what they're doing handling that. So what'd they end up paying? And did they end up paying anything? So my fees were just under five grand because it was just, it was obviously litigation. Um, right. And I want to say that the settlement was somewhere around $15,000. Once we were talking, you know, one-on-one with the, with the troll lawyer, they were just looking for a quick win. They weren't looking sure. for anything extreme. And so they just wanted, you know, so all in all, the seller paid about 20 grand. But if, you know, for the exact same case that the seller in the UK told me about that they paid 50, it was a pretty, to me, that was a good win for the seller. So. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of racking up all these legal fees, you know, it reminds me a lot of, and every industry has this, but the uh, personal injury attorneys kind of, you know, their bread and butter are these little lawyer, these little cases, $1,500 here. I slipped and bumped my knee at Walmart. You can settle out of court for three grand or I'm going to sue. Like they just stack up. <laughs> I actually did some work in college for one of these little outfits that their whole family at any given time had five or six of these little lawsuits just sitting out there waiting to settle out of court. And that's how they, and that was their bread and butter. Every once in a while, they'd get a big accident claim or something, right? But they were just yeah. bread and butter. So there's trolls out there that are just looking for these little cases. They can represent a brand like, oh, you misused our trademark. That's what I'm saying. That you just want to have someone that can help you with, right. so you don't have to feel like you're in, the, in this game alone. That's why I left, you know, putting you on retainer is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Just having someone that's there on retainer that can, you can just send that stuff to. I, I kind of look at you as almost like an accountant. Anytime I get something from the IRS, I don't even open it. I just send it to my accountant. You let me know what I, when I got to write a check, man. And right. That's kind of how we treat your services is like, yeah, just send it to Jeff. But yeah. maybe let's talk through, and if you have any other examples of stories that I think, yeah. you know, that you think illustrate I, so I do have an interesting case that recently um, that we just settled with uh, Amazon yesterday. Actually, they um, they sent. So a lot of times you hear the horror stories where they're like, "Oh, Amazon is holding thousands of dollars of money indefinitely from a seller, especially mm -hmm. if a seller can't can't prove authenticity." So in this case, the seller had sold a bunch of items over time. They got hit with inauthentic claims. They successfully appealed most of them but for a couple and a couple claims they couldn't successfully appeal them because they didn't have invoices so if you read the horror stories or the dumpster fire of the amazon seller forums you'll see that people talk about amazon holding money forever you know amazon does have the ability to hold money 
rightly or wrongly, it's in the BSA that it says, if you can't prove authenticity, we can hold your money. But we worked with Amazon's attorneys. We explained the situation of why this seller deserved to be paid. And because there's a substantial sum of money that was being held, but really a small amount of money was related to the four ASINs in question that had no invoices, we actually got Amazon to agree that they would release the balance of the money except for those four ASINs that couldn't be proven, which to me was a win because if you, we could prove everything else but those four ASINs, at least the seller should get paid out what they were owed for the rest of it. That makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. And again, them being very sure. human and, and they didn't have to. Because really, when you sign up, the, the terms of service that you sign up for, you know, <laughs> when you read through them, they kind of yeah. own you. <laughs> it's their <laughs> playground. They can do what they want. They can wake up on a bad mood and delete your account if they want to, and there's no recourse, right? Now, they don't. They don't want that reputation. I've actually met and talked to the people that work in that department. Now, it's been a few years back, but very human. They yeah. say, you know, we, we're throwing out... You got to keep in mind from their perspective, they're tossing out tens of thousands of scammers a day who truly are there to wreak havoc and steal money from Amazon's customers. And right. as they're throwing those thousands of people out every day, they're going to throw a few good guys out too on accident. And their job, he said, our number one job is letting the good guys back in as fast as we can because we know we make that mistake. It's easy to yeah. delete counts, accounts, but it takes a little more work to comb through and so if you've got a good lawyer representing you, you've got someone kind of helping you through that process. If you do get suspended, you know, and we've talked about this before, you know, in past segments with you, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again in the future, but it, it just, yeah. there's not a lot to be truly afraid of. No, if, it's, I mean, I mean, even in this case with the settlement, you know, the seller, they point blank said, you know, I think I, I think I mentioned in one of my prior segments, we had this client that had, you know, they, they have a significant off Amazon business. So for them, they're like, we just want the money back that Amazon's holding that we can't prove. And we don't want to sell on Amazon again. And that, that was their choice, not Amazon's choice. And Amazon was more than willing to accommodate it and just say, you know, yes, we'll give you your money back. Mm -hmm. With the exception of the, the money that we can't prove. Yeah. Yeah. Those illegitimate ASINs. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but think about this with me for a moment. It's a good problem to have if you're running out of money before you run out of profitable inventory that you can invest in as an Amazon seller. And the reason that's a good problem is because it's an easily solved problem. Our good friends at AccrueMe invest between $10,000 all the way up to a million dollars in for Amazon FBA sellers from our community. It's a success-based model where you repay AccrueMe, not on an interest rate or a schedule, but on your own schedule. So as your business grows and you're making more money, that's when AccrueMe gets paid. It's a beautiful win-win arrangement. To join the dozens of proven Amazon course students from our community who are already using AccrueMe, reach out to them and ask about the special offer they have just for our group at accrueme.com slash silent gem. That's accrueme.com slash silent gem. Let's get back to the show. Amazon was more than willing to accommodate it and just say, you know, yes, we'll give you your money back. Mm -hmm. With the exception of the, the money that we can't prove. Yeah. Yeah. Those illegitimate ASINs. Correct. What were those ASINs that uh, you said they didn't have an invoice? That they couldn't prove chain of custody and Amazon wasn't sure if they were legitimate products or not. Was that the kind of the issue? 
customers had complained that they were fake and the seller couldn't prove that they were real because they didn't have an invoice for them. And the invoices that they had for those particular ASINs were like handwritten with no, you know, no contact information. So it wasn't, you know. Yeah. Right. Not, not, not really. Which is the, you know, that's the, some of the challenges you get into when you start trying to uh, sell liquidations and closeouts and shelf pulls and all that, right? <laughs> that's the risk you're right. running is getting into that scenario where one day you're rocking and rolling and Amazon freezes everything and you've got to prove what is and isn't legit, right? Do you get many of those kind right. of claims? We're seeing more and more of it because there's more and more liquidation companies showing up. So, and the number one thing that I'm, that I'm combating from an educational perspective is uh, the liquidation companies have changed their pitch. And for some reason, sellers are buying it, hook, line, and sinker. One of them recently said, we sell you Amazon returns, which means that they're, ob- they're obviously good products because they were sold to us by Amazon. That's <laughs> not true. <laughs> that's, yeah. you know, that's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that at all. In fact, all it means is that these are products no one wanted on Amazon. So why did they not want them? Was it that they couldn't prove authenticity? Were they lost in the warehouse? Was it buyers returned them? You know, who knows? But for some reason, they weren't good enough to sell the first time. So why is a seller now want to sink their hard-earned money into it? I No, it's not a good, not a good investment, not a good buy. Yeah. And not yeah. a safe buy. It's seemingly low-hanging fruit. And it's very tempting. And I know some people that are doing well with it, but you're, you are at putting your account at risk. And correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm using too strong of language, but you really are putting your account and business at risk if you're, if you're trim- attempting to sell, even if you're selling, you know, like used, like new or, you know, yeah. used condition, but you're buying a bunch of shelf pulls and liquidations. Yeah. That's, that is a minefield. It is absolutely a minefield. And Amazon doesn't look kindly upon it because. If you think about it from a buyer perspective, the difference between Amazon and Craigslist or Amazon and eBay is that buyer trust. Mm-hmm. And if you're buying shelf pulls, you know, I had somebody once that they were buying shelf pulls of apparel that had been in, I guess, certain stores have merchandise that's for trying on and that you don't actually buy. And the seller mm-hmm. found that they could buy the try on merchandise for, you know, like pennies on the dollar. But then they started listing it as new. Mm-hmm. And customers were receiving it and realizing that it had been, you know, worn and right. disgusting. <laughs> no, you know, and Amazon doesn't look kindly upon that, you know, because again, you know, it borders into that. You start getting into the F word, you know, fraud when you start looking at cases like that. So, yeah, misrepresenting the inventory, the quality of the inventory. Right. Yeah, Amazon's very picky about that. Hey, have fun with it on eBay. Have fun, Facebook yeah. Marketplace. There's money to be made there, but that stuff, you know, putting it on Amazon is uh, is a mistake. Well, what right. what are some of the other topics we could go down? I mean, you know, if, if if you put kind of your client load on a on a pie chart, you know, what are some of these other big issues that you're seeing? Because I know you represent a fair number of people in our community. Yeah. If you had a chance to say, hey, everybody pay attention, I got some important things to say. <laughs> yeah, you know, what kind of things would you say? I'm going to let you just kind of take it from here, man. Man, important things to, th- to, to say. I'd say the number one thing is to don't get overwhelmed by Amazon. You know, right now there's a lot of scare tactics, it seems like, going around. You know, there's talk about Amazon is losing inventory as if this is some big new thing that hasn't happened every single year. In the history um, of all of know. business in general, if you, have a, if you have a brick and mortar, there's going to be theft ah, and shoplifting and trucks that wreck and <laughs> damage them. Right. Like, that's a reality, right? 
Yeah. Right. And then, and every, you know, and Amazon, you know, we've got COVID, we've got shutdowns, we've got system errors, who knows what, what happens. I mean, but it happens every year that something happens. I mean, I remember one time that I shipped a pallet, uh, or actually three pallets. I shipped three pallets of pet shampoo. It was in fourth quarter in law school. I shipped them LTL. This is my, when I learned my first mistake of LTL, which was that I, you know, it, it, it got picked up on like a Monday and I, I was so used to small partner delivery, the SPD program, where it gets picked up on Monday at 4 p.m. and gets delivered to Charlotte by 2 a.m. So it's like, that's my expectation. And then I send stuff by LTL. I send three pallets of product. I think it was about $30,000 of merchandise. And I send it LTL. And all of a sudden, it just goes dark. And it's just, and I'm like, they've lost it, haven't they? They must have lost it because it shows that it was delivered to an LTL terminal in Atlanta and never moved past that point. And I'm thinking, okay, it's lost. And I call the trucking company. This is like Friday. I call the trucking company. Where's my stuff? It's in Atlanta. Well, Atlanta's a big place. Where is it in Atlanta? Well, it's on a truck somewhere. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know. And so I'm, you know, begin to start freaking out. But there's, you know, there's two things, two paths that sellers can take when you get confronted with that situation. One is that you freak out and you go, oh my gosh, Amazon stole my inventory. And so now we've got a, you know, we've got a raise ha- a heck, uh, you know online and post stuff about Amazon stole my inventory and you have to get you know scared and make everyone else think there's some sort of you know fire in the building and then there's a conspiracy yeah Amazon is just trying to take all our stuff yeah (laughs) right that's path a path b is you find a solution and so I realized like well I'm clearly not going to show up to this trucking terminal and find my pallets like that's not the solution so I started thinking I'm like well I bought thirty thousand dollars of inventory but I know I'm going to sell $30,000 in inventory at some point. It's just whenever it shows up at Amazon, I'm going to sell it or I'll get reimbursed for it. So I ordered another 30 grand. I duplicated my order and had it all come in. And we spent the next weekend shipping it all out. And this time we shipped at UPS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it got delivered, you know, at 2 a.m. Everything's checked in and it's, it's, you know, going around the Amazon system. And, you know, and so we're still able to keep selling. And so we keep the machine rolling. And about two weeks later, Amazon finally. Checked in our inventory and it got, I apologize for the dog. No, that's all good. That's the real world. So that other, that other 30,000, it just took some time, but it did eventually show up. So sorry about that. Hey, no, no problem, <laughs> man. No, we, we have dogs, hey. kids. It's all real world. We all get to work from home. It's a yeah, blessing. I think yeah, <laughs> Amazon is delivering packages as we speak. That's what they're buying. Oh, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had two uh, or three deliveries on my front porch right out here, but I, I don't have any log, loud uh, dogs right now. <laughs> Unfortunately, my favorite pooch passed away not too long ago. So, hey, enjoy them while you got them, man. Sorry yeah. to hear that. Yeah, they're they're just being obnoxious. But um, yeah, so long story short, so I ordered the $30,000 of inventory you know, shipped it back out. And then Amazon found it. You know, they found all the inventory, they checked it in. And you know what actually ended up being a blessing because now I had $60,000 worth of inventory that was at Amazon during Q4 and all sold. So nice. it ended up being nice. perfect. That's great. And, and just so you know, too, I can barely hear your dogs, man. They may be loud there, but they're oh. not loud here. You're, you've got a good mic. It's not picking them up hardly at all. So <laughs> oh, don't worry about thank it, you. man. Appreciate don't it. worry about it. That's a great story. So, you know, my my question to you is, you know, tell me some of those common issues, challenges, things we should be aware of. And your first one was like, don't panic. <laughs> these things yeah. resolve. Sometimes it takes a little time, right? But these things resolve. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And also think outside the box. You know, 
the first solution that comes to mind might not always be the best one. You know, mm-hmm. my first solution when they lost all my inventory was, oh, I got to call everyone. I got to figure out, you know, and then the second solution was, okay, we'll just buy more, you know, yeah. and, and <laughs> it's either lost and to get reimbursed. Yeah. Trust that the other ones will float. I did read someone in our forum was saying one of the things they've started doing, if for no other reason, just to give themselves peace of mind, was to start slapping stickers on the boxes that say this box was packaged under video surveillance, just in case somebody is tempted to take a few items out. Like, hey, we can right. prove what's in this box. Some people actually do film themselves. But, you know, that's kind of the ultimate extreme example of of caution. So if you know right. the box shows up missing, you can go back to the video and like, hey, here's me packing and sealing that box. Amazon have those kind of cases come up where producing a video has helped in the case of a missing or, hey, you, you only sent us 10 units, but you claim to have sent us 50. Those kind of disputes. You know, talk me through some of those. So the, the 10 versus 50 is a good one. That one really comes down to invoices and receipts is going to be your best line of defense there. So not showing video you necessarily. They're not going to watch your probably video. Not a video. They're probably not going to watch the video. Pictures would be helpful. In fact, with the new IP claim process, Amazon wants pictures of the items. So hmm. Anyone that has the manpower to take pictures of everything that they're selling, I'm, I've been an advocate for it because you are able to keep everything in check. Yeah. But How do you prove the date? I mean, what prevents you from just taking a picture of a full box of, of whatever the widgets are and just using that one indefinitely? How does Amazon know that that's the one? Do you, do you hold up today's newspaper? <laughs> like, what's the, Is it time date stamp? haven't thought about that that far. Um, if we okay. did have to submit it, we could... Uh, I mean, you know, if I needed to do something, I could look at the properties of a photo and see when it says it was created or mm. you know taken. Okay. And then, you know, at least as attorneys, we have to represent the facts accurately. And so if right. I put on a letter that it was taken at 2 p.m. on this date, and this is from the metadata, then they're going to take it at face value because yeah. that's the, I'm not going to say it if it's not true. Yeah, for um, sure. So you would advise take a quick picture as you, you know of the full box, even if you can't see all the detail, it's worth it. You could have the you could have that as evidence if something does end up happening. If, it, are, are you having success? Have time, you know? Oh yeah, it adds, it adds a little extra time for sure. Right. Um, but if we're just talking about t- snapping a quick picture of the full box, I mean, that, that's not a lot of extra time. Now, are you seeing some success with this though? Because I know this is, a, this is a complaint that we've seen popping up a little bit lately more than from my perception, it's been popping up more lately than it would have been say a year ago. But every Q4 you see this. Uh, you know, there's always a spike in some kind of inconvenience. Uh, but are you successfully seeing these resolved over time when missing or, you know, people like, oh no, Amazon stole my inventory. What percentage of the time does things resolve in the favor of the sellers from your perspective? I mean, I can say confidently that by the time it's all plays out, it's going to be 100% because Amazon's not in the business of stealing inventory and they're not in the business of not reimbursing when there's, you know, been an obligation to reimburse. Now, that being said, sellers that don't have receipts proving that their items are authentic or that they, you know, they don't, if they have an invoice, a receipt that says they sent in five, that they bought five units and they claim that they're missing 45 because they said they sent in 50, well, that's going to be tougher, right? But if you have right. your receipts and what you bought matches what you sold and you've got, you know, your proof that matches up, there's no reason that Amazon will not reimburse these claims at the end of the day. Cool. It just takes some time. So right. I think what happens a lot of times is that how slow the wheels turn, people interpret that as, 
it's a it's a lost cause <laughs> rather than Correct. just being patient. That's such a theme with Amazon. It, yeah, give it some Correct. time, and things tend to okay. resolve almost every time in the favor of the seller. That's a, that's a good right. thing for us to keep in mind. That's a good summary to take away from a lot of the points we're making. They, well, and then too, I mean, Amazon has a contractual obligation, so they're not going to like if you have good receipts. You, you know, like we went to Best Buy, we bought you know, 10 HP monitors and we sent in 10 monitors and we, Amazon says they received two. Mm-hmm. Well, those eight monitors that went, went, went missing, maybe, maybe someone at Amazon stole eight monitors, not our problem. <laughs> you know, like that's, you know, once we have the, you know, if we have the UPS that shows that 10 boxes were shipped, we've mm-hmm. got the receipt for 10 monitors. Or you should have the, the weight, day, you know, the weight and they were all in one big box and you got the weight. Yeah showing, you know, that, that kind of evidence is pretty right. compelling, right? Correct. I mean, we know that Amazon's going to eventually reimburse because they have to. They can't, you know, and if they don't do it at the lower levels, all we do is we fire off a letter and say, these are the facts. Here's the cases that were not resolved properly. Here's the copy of the invoice or receipt. And we know that Amazon will cut the check or, yeah. or, or as, as, they, as they like to say in their, their settlements. Uh, it will be added to your next regularly scheduled disbursement. <laughs> Love those so, words, right? Yeah, right. One of the favorite phrases you ever hear from Amazon. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, what else? What else is on your list? All right, these are these are good topics. I think folks are really going to enjoy hearing this because the general theme here is, you know, the, the, just to recap the time we spent together, and I really appreciate it, buddy, because you know I know lawyers aren't cheap, <laughs> but you've given us some valuable <laughs> time today, man. Uh, the general theme is. You've been an e-commerce, you've been an Amazon seller, you've seen, you fought the same battles, you've had the same challenges. The vast majority of the time, especially if you've got competent representation, and it's not that expensive to have you on retainer, by the way. I want to be sure and talk about that before we wrap things up. But if you've got some competent representation, the vast majority of the time, you know, approaching 100%, things work out in your favor. Amazon... Wants to be very human. They want to get it right. If they lost those eight monitors or someone put them in their trunk from the warehouse, that's not your problem as a seller. Amazon's going to reimburse you. They will take care of it. That's certainly been my experience. You know, I remember yeah, I bought, uh, it was, I don't know, 10 or 12 sound bars. Each one of them costs several hundred dollars. I bought them for like $150, $200 each, and they were selling for seven or 800 on Amazon. Bought them, sent them in. They were kind of painful to pack. We got when they got there, they said they got one of them, and I knew I'd send 11 or 12. I was very nervous. It took about two months for it to resolve. I resolved it on my own, and they added it yeah. full price. You know, the, the amount that we put on there, we got just one big, huge payment. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's it, and that's been a couple of years ago, but I've had that experience myself of, of losing some big ticket inventory, right? And it's it always works out, you know. Look back in the day, you know, I know. We kind of touched on it. You know, I was selling a hundred thousand bottles of pet shampoo a year while I was in law school. They lost a lot of pet shampoo. There's a lot of, you know, I'm sure that if you, if you could probably fill an entire warehouse or at least cover the floor with all the, you know, if you squirted the <laughs> the, the, the shampoo out that they yeah. lost, yeah. you know, and yet, you know, they did reimburse us every single time. You know, it, it was it was it reimbursed the second, you know, tomorrow? No, but it, we got reimbursed within, you know couple months that it went through and we got paid for it also it's uh you know amazon is in the business of making things right especially if you have good documentation but well, are there other areas you know so far where we're just putting people at ease are there other areas where you're like ah you know stay away from this territory or 
one of the things that makes you cringe when Amazon sellers say, well, I thought this was completely legit. Besides liquidations and shelf pulls and returns, you know, going to those big bins and bringing home all that stuff and selling it on Amazon, thinking you've hit the jackpot. You know, what else along that vein might we warn Amazon sellers about that they're doing? Thrift shopping. (laughs) Thrifting. Same thing. Yeah. Keep your thrift on eBay. Keep it on Facebook Marketplace. Don't go to Goodwill and and bring stuff home and and sell it. Now, let me ask you this though. Yeah. Like a a sealed, you know, we hear people say like a sealed board game or board game you get from Goodwill. Looks great. It's in good shape. Are you saying don't sell that on Amazon under any conditions because the Goodwill receipt, if you're asked for proof, it isn't enough. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's not enough. So even though it looks perfect, the thing is, is that we're not, we're not authenticators. So even, you know, we're not going to know whether that board game is supposed to have a barcode or a serial number or a QR code, or who knows what it might be supposed to have. We're just going to see what we see. Yeah. And we're, you know, we, as much as we want to think good intentions that somebody has a legit board game that they never, your kids didn't want to play it and they donated to Goodwill. It also could be that somebody has a family member that lives in a country that makes counterfeits and sent them this board game for $5 and then the kids didn't want to play it. And then it ended up at Goodwill. That reminds me, I had a a friend of mine who's, what country was he in? He put a picture on Facebook here just a couple of days ago. (laughs) It was a, it was a superhero action figure. It was Superman and it looked legit. And it was in an Avengers box. And I'm like, he was like, wait a second, Superman isn't one of the Avengers. And like, I'm maybe nerding out a little bit for some people, like these things don't go together. I mean, a legit looking box, legit looking logo, legit looking Superman action figure. It's like, wait a second. You know, so you, you know, that shows up in a Goodwill somewhere sealed with a barcode that looks like just like the the Superman, you know, or maybe you set it up and and you try to sell it on its own listing or whatever. Yeah. You can be selling counterfeit without realizing it. So I, I love that that hard, cold line we're drawn in the sand saying, <laughs> man, if, if you don't have legit receipts from a, from a recognized retailer, an itemized receipt, um, are there any other stores that kind of fall into that gray area? I think I've heard you talk about like TJ Maxx. Like they've got some legit stuff there. They've got some other like shelf pull kind of stuff there. Like talk me, are there any retailers you encourage third-party sellers to avoid? I wouldn't say like, I don't avoid TJ Maxx just yet. You know, we're, it's on a, you know, it's on a watch list right now because of the issues that have started happening. So I haven't gotten to the point, you know, there's certain stores that I just, you know, you know, but like Goodwill and any thrift store, any secondhand store, college bookstores, even, you know, like people will say like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, I went to, you know, like I went to university of Pennsylvania and they had a college bookstore and it was a Barnes and Noble. That's great. But I certainly wouldn't buy books from there to sell on Amazon because even though I could buy used textbooks there, they don't. And we would like to think that Barnes and Noble does a really great job with their book buybacks. It might slip through, and then I might end up accidentally buying a a counterfeit textbook that even like you know here you are going to you know you're assuming that it came from Barnes and Noble at an Ivy League school that it's going to be legit and it could be not legit, and and then we end up you know we're the ones holding the the book at the end of the day. Or I guess maybe being hit with it. <laughs> Getting hit with a book. I love it. But legit retailers recognize even local regional retailers. Yeah. As long as they can give you a legit looking receipt, you're safe, correct? You are. For the you know, as long as you you know, the one takeaway that I would say is like I had a seller recently come to me. They said, Oh, I found this product at one of these national discount stores. 
And I don't want to say which one it is, but it wasn't TJ Maxx. And it had an LPN sticker on it. And they're like, they, I thought that they were like, they, I thought that was weird. And I was like, well, yeah, it is weird because an LPN sticker means that it was returned from Amazon. So what is it doing on the shelf there? Mm. And it, that retailer is selling Amazon returns. So, mm. you know, I would put that on a don't source there now because we don't know what else is missing the LPN sticker that's coming from that same batch of returns. You are seeing some of these small retailers pop up that sell Amazon returns because there's a lot of them out there. Don't sell yeah. that stuff on Amazon. Sell it on eBay, yeah. Facebook Marketplace, but not Amazon. Yep. Don't send Amazon's yeah. own inventory back to Amazon is a good general rule there. Well, mm-hmm. any other specific stores that you can put on like a do not playlist? I love putting lawyers on the spot to speak in specifics. It makes you so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't know. I'm trying to think like, yeah, I don't want to say anyone else in particular, like not to source there, but if it's, you know, it just people have to be really careful about where they're buying from. You know, there's just, there's more and more stores that are having trouble getting merchandise that are looking to the alternate channels. And that's, you have to be careful. of. And actually, when you're talking about the board game story, I had something interesting come to mind from my India trip there. When I was in India, I went to a local grocery store, then there was a mug set of coffee mugs and it said Lexus on it with the Lexus logo. And every single one of them had a Lexus symbol on the mug and they were selling Lexus coffee mugs. And when you look at it, like it looked really legit. Like maybe this is a legitimate Lexus product, except I was looking at it and I was like, it's too fuzzy. It's there's clearly this not, not right. And there also had like a picture of a Honda. <laughs> so like if Lexus is selling coffee <laughs> yeah. mugs, it's not gonna it's not gonna have a Honda on the box cover, you know? Like, right. Right. So well, the, the regulations just aren't there. I mean, China is a great example. When I worked for Microsoft, the last real job I had now, granted, this was 20 years ago, but <laughs> even you know, then and it hasn't gotten a whole lot better, I gotta imagine. But even then, one of the things that I talked to corporations about as I was selling them their software licensing was making sure they were compliant, legitimate. You know, I had a US customer base and it was widely understood and discussed. Everyone at Microsoft knew this was the case. I was in the third party sales channel. We knew it was the case. In China, only about 5% of software was legitimately licensed. The rest was just completely stolen. (laughs) (laughs) And the vast majority of Microsoft users, you know, if you look look at a pie chart of where everyone's at, they're using pirated copies of the software. They relied very much on the legitimate, you know, Canadian market and the United States market, maybe Australia, some of the European countries where they actually had regulators that everywhere else it was counterfeit, just completely stolen software being distributed. And you got to imagine that, you know, it's it's the same with physical products. So you just got to be super careful when you're importing things, bringing things in, if it's branded and they can make really good knockoffs. I mean, you even hear about these these companies in China, they'll make the stuff for the legitimate manufacturer with the license and they'll just put someone else's label on it and sell it to you. Sell the, hey, your, your parents right. make it and violate the terms of the trademark and everything else, but they don't care. They're getting paid. I mean, it's just a, right. US companies can't go into China and sue for this stuff. Like, the, you know, it, it just, they're protected. Uh, right. So and if you think about like, and like the, and where this gets really scary, you think about the Lexus mugs I was talking about. If I had gotten those, and gave them to like a friend that has a Lexus and they're like, you know, I'm never going to use these. And they donated it to Goodwill. Sealed. Someone that might, In a sealed box sealed. looking great. Yeah, right. Someone might get be, you know, some newer seller or maybe an experienced one too that for some reason is thrifting might be in that Goodwill 
and scans it and sees, hey, this would sell really well on Amazon. Barcode matches. Yep. Buys it and then ends up now with a, you know, either a trademark complaint or a trademark lawsuit, you know, Mm -hmm. from Toyota Corporation. So exactly. Yeah. Great example, man. I think this is pretty useful stuff. What else? I'd like to get one more example before we start to wrap this up. This is a longer episode, but there's a lot of people. Yeah. Like if it was just you and I sitting at dinner at one of these conferences or something, we'd have a crowd gathered around like, all right, what's he going to say next? This is good stuff. I'm taking notes. So what else is on this list of things that sellers should kind of be aware of that are showing up on your radar? Either you know, good news or some some things to watch out for. What else is on your list? Generic listings. If you know, stay away from generic listings and I, I would encourage everybody to search the manage inventory page with the word generic because there may be listings that they're inadvertently listed on that are branded as generic and Amazon has been cracking down on that. Mm. Um, so every year they seem to pick a theme to focus on during Q4. And unfortunately, this year's theme is generic listings, among other things. Yeah, so. so when you when you're just scrolling around, if you do a keyword search on an ASIN and look for the word brand, right? Yeah. That word brand, isn't that what they, the field is called, called brand? It is called brand, yes. And, yes. and if it says generic as the brand, and you're like selling yeah. replans against that ASIN, even if you didn't yeah. set it up yourself, now it's not going to put your account at risk necessarily, but that ASIN is eventually probably going to be pulled down. Is that what you're saying? Um, they're actually suspending accounts over it right now. So I would actually venture to say it's it's more dramatic than, than just uh, watch for it. Even like, if you didn't set and, the listing up yourself. Correct. So they've been, so there, that's just, it seems to be the focus of the last three weeks that they've just been really focused on. Mm -hmm. So, and there's really a fast way to fix this for sellers. So it's not something to get scared about. One very quick tip or one fast way to one, there's a fast way and there's a thorough way. The fast way of it is to go into manage inventory in the search box, type the word generic. And in, in a perfect world, you will have zero results found. That's that gives you, you know, kind of pat on the back, feel good. But to do the thorough search, go listing by listing and just look at the brand field and make sure that brand is not generic. Um, and what you do, you know, just click on the title, it opens the product detail page. Product detail page says generic underneath the title, delete it from your catalog. And and I know there's some listeners out there that'll say, well, well, what about if I just sent inventory in or I've got, you know, several units in there? Delete it and recall it. Because at the end of the day, Amazon tends to take action against the people that are doing something wrong that don't do anything about it. So if you don't delete it and recall it and you try to sell through it, you're fitting the profile of what they're looking for and you don't want to be in that profile, obviously. So great tip. Well, I'm going to have my team do that. I, because we, we've got a couple thousand, then we're only, we're not selling against all of them. We've got several replans. Here's a good question for you What if it's something yeah. you've sold against in the past? but you aren't currently. And if you hear this advice, you won't sell again. Should I still delete it? Even being in my catalog with zero inventory, does that cause any risk? There's always, it's less risky than currently selling, but I would go ahead and delete it because Amazon likes to see that people see a problem and they take action. So if they, sure. if you go in, you delete it, one, there's very little likelihood they'll come back if you've deleted it because they're, they're not gonna, they're typically gonna focus their efforts on the people that are actively sure. doing something wrong. Yeah. But if you did delete it, you now you know save the date that you deleted it. Save a list of ASINs if you find them. You know, open a Word document, save a list, and then if you you know, God forbid, you ever had to reference this Word document, you know the date, you know the ASINs, and and your POA mm-hmm. front and center. You know, root cause. We sold against. You know, we accidentally were listed on ASINs that were branded as generic. 
corrective action, we deleted all these list ASINs. Here's our list on this date. You know, it's pretty you know, long-term plan. You know, obviously I'm very oversimplifying this, but long-term plan. We'll make sure everything is correct when we're listing. We'll we you know we'll continue to verify all the product detail page elements match. You know, it's very obviously oversimplified, but that's you know the general gist of how we've now recognized, solved, and prevented a future problem. And that's great advice. I love it. I think we could do a good series of sessions like this, and we and we are maybe if uh, for the listeners' sake, just to explain again and kind yeah. of reset the room here. This is Jeff Schick. He's our local. In our community, you've got about 70,000 people in our Facebook group, proven Amazon core students, thousands of them selling on Amazon every day using the systems we teach. And when we hit legal challenges, Jeff's the first guy we call in our community. And he's done a great job for us for a significant period of time now. Um, And also, it's typically on Wednesdays, Jeff, you and I have recorded a handful of short conversations, just tackling these little topics, five to seven minute segments in informing people. So you've done a handful of those and we're going to do a series into the future of those. But that's what we've done today. Just spend a little more time getting to know who you are and hitting some of those specific topics. Uh, but I just want to encourage the the listeners, if this felt a little over your head and you're kind of new, jump into our Facebook group, get started. The, the general theme today is there's not a lot to be intimidated about. All these challenges have solutions, but this was a bit of a deeper dive maybe for some of the more experienced sellers today. Again, to, you know, that's one of the things I appreciate about you, Jeff, is you're a seller. You have a, an ability to put us at ease because you see the entire landscape of what's going on. You've got a bunch of clients that you're helping and serving every day. And so you can kind of keep tab on the pulse of what's going on at Amazon. And I just want to say thank you. And I appreciate that. And I want to let people know too, how they can put you on retainer and the details of that. So, so spend a little bit of time yeah. talking about that, if you would, as we start to wrap this yeah. one up. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. So, and I appreciate the kind words. I, I love what I do and I love helping people. So that's the you know, my favorite part of my job is, is, is winning these cases and helping prevent issues. But as in terms of the retainer, it was, it really came about as, you know, when I was in law school, I got suspended. Um, I also got Boris letters and every time something major happened and, and we had some employment issues along the way too. Um, but every time something major happened, it meant reaching out to, you know, one of the attorneys that we worked with and got amazing advice. And got an amazing bill at the end of the month for it. So, right. you know, you know, you get what you pay for. I got great advice, but I paid dearly for it. And so what we wanted to, you know, what I really wanted to do is come up with a solution that made it affordable for sellers. And so when I launched my retainer, it's, you know, it's $89 a month and you pay in. And as soon as you paid in, you're, you're covered against future issues. So, you know, just like Ashlyn likes to say that you don't call her to buy insurance when your house is already on fire. That's right. kind of the, the motto with the uh, with the retainer program, although we certainly help sellers with their suspensions as well, and we've got you know several sellers we're helping with right now that were already suspended. Right, it's just going to cost you a lot more if you're not on retainer. You're going to get a bigger bill for sure. Yeah, right. I, I appreciate the service that you're providing, and uh, I would encourage listeners if you if you enjoyed the time that Jeff and I spent today, get over to jeffschick.com. We'll stick a link in the show notes as well. And also, if you kind of scroll back through, it's been typically it's been on Wednesdays, our midweek episodes. We have at the end of the segments uh, a little conversation with other tips, plenty of things we didn't talk about today, just little tips, little strategies to avoid trouble or how to get yourself out of a, an otherwise sticky situation with Amazon. I really appreciate those segments. And we're going to do many more of them going into the future as well. But uh, any parting thoughts for the listeners say, Jeff, as we start to wrap this one up? I'd say, you know, I know, like you said, we covered a lot of high level. We covered all sorts of uh, kind of all, all levels of, of stuff. Um, if you have questions, you know, 
reach out if you're in the coaching program, reach out to one of your coaches, their wealth of information. If you're one of my clients or you want to become a client, you know, I'm happy to talk about any of these topics on a one-on-one basis so that we give you, you know, guidance specific to your business. So don't feel like I, you know, that there may have been some bombshell that you now don't know what to do with. There's resources all around you that you can ask and, and we can help out and stuff. So. Yeah. And everyone on our coaching team, you know, we got about 60 coaches at this point, actually closer to 70. All of them unanimously, if someone's like, hey, I got a legal question, they send them to Jeff. I mean, so that's pretty rare. Because like when you start talking about repricers, there's about eight different opinions in our group, right? But when it comes to legal, it's like, yeah, you know, get with Jeff. If it's a legal issue, you need a lawyer. Absolutely. We have some other people that kind of know what they're doing and talking about, you know, plans of action and suspension issues and things. Uh, But for for legal, man, that retainer program is just, it's a brilliant idea. And I love the fact that we can still get a hold of you one-on-one. I think it's going to be thousands of users before long and you're going to have a team, but hey, lock in, get to know Jeff now while he's still approachable and you can get a hold of him (laughs) on his cell phone. Uh, It's a good time to lock in because I have a feeling that 89 a month is going to quickly be like four or 500 a month just out of sheer demand as word gets out of what you're capable of and the miracles that you're working for sellers. Uh, you're doing a great job for our community. I, I really appreciate you, man. Thank you. We appreciate it, and we appreciate the support. And uh, yeah, we just had, you know, we just are we're in the process now of looking for another team member. So yeah, you're right. It's <laughs> we are growing, and we have a new person onboarding tomorrow morning. So I'm excited. So we just continue to 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 grow because of the way y'all are helping us, you know, and the community is being, you know, helping us be successful. So thank you. Well, we we appreciate you being a part of this group, and we consider you part of the team yeah. for sure. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this episode up and talk to listeners for just a minute. If you enjoyed this episode today, I'm going to ask you to do me a little favor. You can kind of pick your choice. All right, I'm going to give you a few options here. One thing you could do is send a link to today's episode. If you're listening on a podcast or on YouTube, wherever, just send a link to a friend that you think could use this. Maybe it's someone you know who's selling on Amazon, who's maybe facing some frustrating or challenges, legal challenges, that sort of thing. Hey, send them this. Let them check it out. Maybe you know someone who's selling liquidations and you go, hey, buddy, (laughs) you might want to check this episode out to talk to this guy. Uh, Do someone a favor and share this. The other thing you could do is write a review for our show. Would really appreciate those reviews, especially on iTunes. And if you are on iTunes specifically, we'd love for you to subscribe to our show, which means click on the little bookmark looking thing. That really helps boost us in the ranks, helps us get the word out because we have a $0 marketing budget for the show. We rely on our listeners to spread the word and tell others about us. And it's working. We get about 100,000 downloads a month on iTunes right now, which is incredible. And, uh, and I'm so grateful that you've spread the word and helped us out with that. So if you enjoy the show, there's some things you can do for us. But God bless you, business building warrior. And Jeff, one more time, buddy. You are an awesome guest. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And we'll keep doing it, man. Like once a week, we're going to get in, get these segments. And we may have you on for an extended segment again, because I, I just love those specific stories. It's, it's very encouraging. So we'll do it again soon. But on behalf of the whole podcast team and the leaders, the coaches, content creators, there's about a hundred of us that make this stuff happen around here. We're so honored to serve you. Thanks for being a part of our community. We'll have another great episode again for you very soon. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.